Hello and welcome to Tools in the Shed, a podcast powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip into car stuff that's caught our eye this week. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James, and with me are News Editor Tung. Hello. And Senior Journalist Richard. Bonjour. This week, we're discussing the rise and rise of Toyota GR's, uh, Toyota's GR Performance brand. We'll look at three recent entrants to the Cars Guide garage, and we'll catch up with a rocket enthusiast that's proud to wear plaid in this week's Musk Watch. Um, look, you can jump ahead with the time codes in the notes below, and you can click on the chapter markers in the timeline. But for the time being, stay with us. Um, first of all, we want to talk about um, this week's main topic, a story that our own Andrew Chesterton authored through the week, caught up a lot of attention, and um, it's about Toyota's GR performance brand. And we've seen the tip of what appears to be a coming iceberg on, on GR performance. Uh, and he heard or was, was talking with Sean Hanley, who's the sales and marketing chief for Toyota in Australia, who actually mentioned that in the next 12 months, we'd see, quote, new GR high-performance sports cars uh, arrive in Australia. Now, Chesto's theory is that that may actually be updated versions of the GR Supra that we've already got, um, the rally version of the Yaris. But he then went digging to see what it could mean in terms of cars that are this year or tipping into the next couple um, just down the track. So uh, we thought it'd be interesting to investigate that and... Uh, the first one is that Toyota GR Yaris Rally, um, which is the same uh, drivetrain as the GR Yaris that we already know. But uh, Tung, it, it brings in some uh, suspension tuning. It's got a Torsen diff. Uh, it's got all kinds of stuff. What, what are your thoughts on that car? I, I don't think it's going to be very day-to-day, -day, daily drive friendly. No, no, it's just meant to be a little bit more hardcore than the regular GR Yaris. Uh, you know, it's got some limited slip diffs on it, some stickier rubber as well, uh, and a bigger price tag to match. But uh, you know, JC, you did the uh, you did the launch for the GR Yaris. Do you think that car needs like a little bit more I, performance tuning? I don't know. I thought I thought it was pretty great. <laughs> um, okay. If you were if you were going to put it onto a circuit for track days and things. I reckon it would already go well. You'd maybe just play with your tyre pressures to, to improve its performance there. Um, whether or not you need or the extra hard, super hard suspension, you have to be pretty dedicated um, to heading to the racetrack on a regular basis, and especially if you want to pay more money. Um, so I don't know. But, um, but Richard, they're going to be playing with the, the pricing in a similar way to the first time the GI Yaris arrived. First 200 a certain price, what is it, 56,200 drive away. And after they're gone, it's moving to 54,500 plus on-road costs. So they're playing um, silly buggers with the pricing again. It's a lot of money for a car, which is uh, just four metres long, isn't it? Um, and <laughs> Yes, just in, in quantity of steel and rubber <laughs> and glass. Well, that's it. I've always, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, assessed a car by how much car yeah. you get for your money. Yeah, it's like uh, the scales in the grocery right. part of the supermarket. You want to be able to weigh your car and determine whether you're getting value. <laughs> that's right. You, your car for money yeah, uh, yeah. equation is yeah. you know, not very high with the with the Yaris. Look, you, as 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 Tung said, you've you've driven. Um, you know, you were one of the first in Australia to drive the car. Um, I mean, how much better could this car be? Um, yeah. Is it necessary? I get a feeling that Toyota is bringing it out just because it can. 
Mm. Uh, and, you know, uh, Hyundai and Kia are, are now hot on uh, Toyota's heels. And I think Toyota is doing what any Olympic sprinter would do. And that is actually just sprinting ahead as hard as it can to put, yeah. make that gap as, as, as far as possible. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, it's also going to be a car, a little bit of bragging rights, you know, yep. oh, I've got the rally. I've got the rally version. I've got the hard version. But the problem with that, and not that I've driven the, the rally yet, none, none of us have, mm. um, I just think it's potentially a compromised driving experience. <laughs> you know, you, you're paying more money, you're getting the harder car, but the standard one, such as it is, is so great. I, I, I don't see it myself. I think they've, they've put themselves in a really awkward position. And, you know, part of Chesto's story, he mentions uh, down the line, they might bring out a GR version of the Corolla. And if the GR Yaris or the GR, you know, Yaris Rally is costing $55,000, yeah, yeah. where are they going to position mm. GR Corolla? Yeah, that's right. Oh, well, and that's it. Let's move on to the Corolla because I think it's a, it's a really interesting looking car. I think the consensus is that the current generation Corolla has taken a more adventurous step in terms of its design, particularly on the exterior. And with the beefiness that it might pick up uh, of that drivetrain, maybe they play with the tracks again and, and, and bulk up the guards and make it look a little tougher. I reckon that'd be a great car. That'd be one okay. definitely to look forward to. Like when was when was the last time they did a hot Corolla? Was oh. it like Corolla Sportivo? Uh, 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 2004, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, what would it be? Late 80s? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, with the Seeker. 1.6 twin cams. Cam. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. That, that good car. But I think, you know, Very we're seeing, car. we're seeing, uh, you know, Hyundai enter the hot hatch market. Uh, you know, Honda is, Honda Australia is back in the hot hatch market now. You know, it was, it was going to be a matter of time before Toyota sort of came back into that space and offered yeah. something that, that rivaled the i30N and, you know, maybe yeah. even the Civic Type R, right? Yeah. Yeah, too right. I mean, yeah. in your story, Chesto makes the point that the Corolla, a GR Corolla, could be a 2021 reveal um, that would put it in market probably next year. But the brand has already trademarked the name GR Corolla. Like, it's, it's going to happen. And there's been a lot of chat about that drivetrain just being put in so that's that's one i'm looking forward to just a little more breathing room but the same kind of dynamic would be amazing it's really interesting because nothing toyota doesn't do anything by accident and i know that sounds like a really silly thing to say but we all know that they're quite a traditional brand they have really long model uh cycles i think the the, the whole gr movement has been in the works for a long time um yep way before you know the pandemic and, and anything like that so they're rolling and and being a brand you know as they are they're just moving ahead with 2021's plan yeah um and they've known for years that you know they've, they've got a quite a bit of rivalry in the market now i mean not from you know traditional players like nissan but like as i mentioned before kia and and uh hyundai yep. uh, they're trying to get ahead of their end game and uh, anything that kia might have coming which is a bit sporty yeah. Um, and I think they're doing it. I think they're going to crush them. Well, I mean, GR Gazoo um, is so mm. close to Akio Toyota's heart. He started it um, mm. as a much younger man, and it's morphed into this whole performance thing. Um, he, he's the driver, literally and figuratively, um, mm. of this whole thing. And it's, it's part of the new Toyota that he's trying to create, one that's yep. more interesting um, and a little more dynamic in its personality as well as its particular, you know, product performance. Um, I think yeah, scare, I think what may may scare some brands is ending up in the wilderness. Like, um, you know, 
I think Honda is to a, to a degree. Um, and it's a, a, re- a really good brand, a really brand with a lot of, um, you know, cachet behind its name, um, produces high quality vehicles um, and some really great ones over the years like the NSX, um, yep. but appears to be kind of a little bit lost. Uh, yes. Whereas Toyota no, seems to know exactly where it's going and it yep. seems to have everybody covered, whether they're a family, you know, yep. an older person or a young person. I think it's really clever. Well, uh, it's potentially um, a factor of just, finances you mm. know it, it's okay to be brave if you can be afford to be mm. and and when honda was successful it was in formula one it was mm. in you know indycar racing in the states all forms of motorsport a lot of forms of motorsport and they were cycling their engineers through those programs so they yeah. go out into into motorsport come back into the company and you had cars like the nsx various mm. um sporty civics and things mm. coming through and, you know, financial hard times fall yep. and they're the first things to go. That's right. Um, because they're seen as extraneous, but they can actually be part of the DNA of the brand. Yep. And yep. that's, I think, what we're seeing grow with Toyota at the moment. Yeah. I mean, Power of dreams. Motorsport. You mentioned yep. motorsport, but they just, did they just come out with a, a new Le Mans racer? Yeah. Yeah, the hypercar. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the hypercar class uh, <laughs> at Le Mans. Fantastic. Be a road going? Is it mm. the road-going version of that yeah, car? Yeah, like, exactly. This yeah. is Toyota who make like, hybrid Corollas and they're coming out with like a genuine supercar? What is yeah. going on? Well, it's it's I, just to harp on it again, it's Akio Toyota with this vision of what mm. Toyota is going to be. And he started banging on about this a few years ago and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, good on you. Um, you know, <laughs> just just improve the Camry. You know, and and <laughs> and now all of that stuff is coming to fruition because he actually has been pushing the company to do things differently. And I think we're starting to see a few years down the track all of that actually coming to fruition. Are we going to see a GR version of the Camry? That's what I want to know. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, look, one other, one other one that uh, Chesto pointed to is a GRMN Supra. Um, that again could see the light of day maybe as a, as a concept or a prototype uh, during this year. Now, pro- probably most of our listeners know that GR stands for Gazoo Racing, which is now the umbrella under which all of Toyota's performance cars and motorsport uh, falls. And then MN stands for Master of Nürburgring. So <laughs> GRMN, Gazoo Racing, Master of Nürburgring. Um, and that means you go that extra distance in terms of performance. So this thing could potentially have the M4's uh, inline six, you know, twin turbo inline six in it uh, with as much as 375 kilowatts, which is over 500 horsepower. So if we had a GRMN Supra uh, late 2021 reveal available sometime in 2022, that would be incredible. All that I have is to say nuts. is they better offer it in orange. With a giant <laughs> thing. <laughs> no, uh, like... <laughs> JC, you did the launch of the Supra as well. They, they've been promising that every year there's going to be an update yep. to this car, right? Yep. Well, Tetsu uh, uh, Tada, Tada-san said, yes, we're going to... He, the way he positioned it, it was like um, Porsche with the 911. You know, every year there's some, there's a Carrera, Carrera S, there's a GTS, there's a blah. So he, he wants the Supra, uh, Supra to evolve in that same way. Mm. Um, and we've, we've seen that, I suppose. We've had little updates uh, during yep. the course of 2020, but 2021 might be an absolute whopper. You know, yeah, if it's we the GRMN, that'd be amazing. We went from 250 kilowatts from the launch car to 285 mm-hmm. kilowatts now. 
and then it jump up to what was it, 300 375, and, uh, just 375. a lazy 375. Yeah. That's Which, crazy. But it's all it's always felt, I must say, having driven the the launch car around Phillip Island, which is a pretty epic layout, and mm. you really can feel the balance of a car through some of those fast sweeping bends that are on that circuit. Yeah. It feels so balanced and actually capable of taking more. So I, I think that platform has been set up to cope with a lot more grunt. And to you, it, it would be uh, your, in- interesting to see it. What did you get through turn uh, turn one in it, JC? Oh, I don't know. I had my eyes sh- shut at that point. <laughs> I mean, it was just... Just, just hoping. <laughs> no, but it's, um, yeah. it, it is a, you know, it's, it's mm. a joint effort, of course, um, BMW and Toyota. But um, just on the basis that Supra, it felt fantastic, and it did feel as though it could, could cope with more. So we'll see, I suppose. And uh, do you know what? It's, it's still going to look a whole lot more exciting uh, than a Z4 as well. Or uh, yeah. Yeah, I actually yeah. personally like the look of a Z4. So, so, so do I. Uh, so do I. Man, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's it not very. By an Aussie. It was designed by an Aussie, Rich. Does that does So that what? You know, does it matter? So is the Hills Hoist, and that looks like crap. <laughs> but it's very efficient. Um, it I, is. I um, was in traffic uh, with one just the other day, and I, I'm kind of with you, Tong. I thought it looked pretty arresting, if you know what I mean. It was quite a. Quite an eye catch. Uh, it doesn't have the hips. It doesn't have the curves. It doesn't have the ooh la la of the Supra. Right. Mm. Yeah. Well, that, it's that maybe that will be on the options list with the RMN. <laughs> I want some ooh la la. Ooh la la. Yeah. yeah. I just love uh, all the bits. You know, all the little, <laughs> little bits you can put your yeah. It's, you know. Ugh. Ooh, love it. Well, look, love another it. another one that's potentially, this is another one that uh, Chesto has been digging around on, is, of course, the Land Cruiser. And we've had a lot of interest mm. um, in the transition, which is not too far away. I know we've been saying that for a long time, uh, between the 200 series and the 300 series Land Cruiser. So he's putting it out there, a GR Sport version of the 300 Land Cruiser. Um, now, wow. he's picking up on media reports in Japan. He's been um, fine-tuning his Japanese, obviously. Um, and it's pointing to Konichi Wa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Domo Arigato. Arigato. Yeah. And he's, um, he's put, he says that those reports are pointing to engineering upgrades that focus on retuning the suspension and mm. more dynamic handling rather than more power. But having said that, uh, the likely power plant would be this V6, much talked about V6. So a 3.3 litre unit in a GR tuned Land Cruiser would be an interesting package too. Wow, surely that's marketed at the Middle East rather than Australia. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, could could be. Who knows? I mean, are you saying it wouldn't sell well in Australia? Because I think uh, it would. I think it would. I too. don't know. I don't know. Like, I think Land Cruiser buyers in Australia, are, you know, National Party voters most likely. Um, not uh, not that there's anything know, wrong with nothing. That, there's nothing we're, wrong with it. Nothing we're wrong. apolitical here. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> we're we're party a, a, we're party neutral. Yeah, we are. We are. Distinction: uh, the GR Sport brand from just ah. regular GR. Yeah, um, good point. Good point. So, you yeah, know, the GR Sport is just going to be that suspension and cosmetic tuning. Yeah, more so than engine enhancements and, and yeah. performance changes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we've seen it in the CHR, which has just recently come out with the GR Sport version that literally just has wheels, a body kit, and still uses the same hybrid engine. So, 
you know, yeah. I mean, but isn't this going to cut down its off-road capability? You don't want a body kit on a Land Cruiser. <laughs> if anything, you need, you know, you need ground clearance. You don't need firm suspension. You need soft and, you know, good off-road suspension. I just think, I think it's silly. I'd I argue, and I agree. Everyone would agree with me as well. <laughs> I'd, I'd argue that um, most Land Cruisers don't really get their feet wet, as it were. They, te- they tend to oh. they they tend to stay uh, in the in the suburban and urban jungle. I ch- I challenge you on that. I reckon I reckon Prados probably, but Land Cruisers. I reckon I reckon outback Australia. Oh yeah. Oh look, that that's true. Certainly, you go uh, mm. north of a certain uh, latitude. And yeah. the Land Cruiser ratio starts to go up appreciably. I, yeah. I, I do get that. I think a large number of them are for towing, be it a van yes. or, or a boat. Yep. And maybe someone who's into that Land Cruiser zone just wants it to have that extra, you know, pizzazz, ooh-la-la factor, Richard, <laughs> um, in terms of the, the way it looks. Um, and maybe it's something about extra stability. It might be tuning the handling to perform better off-road. Or it might be an on-road thing. Who's to say? So you reckon they'll hold the launch at Phillip Island? <laughs> no. Can you imagine? No. Toyota Land Cruisers going around Phillip Island. Which I think one be, would fall off into Bass Strait first? That I think be it'd the, be better um, at a boat ramp. I think you could just have you know <laughs> line up half a dozen uh, Land Cruisers and see who can jockey the trailer and get their boat out of the water. Oh, hey, stuff. Jeep stuff. launched. Jeep launched the Grand Cherokee. Uh, Trackhawk at Phillip Island, so yes, they did. You know, I was that's I was true. there. That 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 was quite an experience. Uh, <laughs> fleeing that beast around that layout was hilarious. None of them but, landed in the water, so no, no. no. Look, the despite, despite best efforts, I must say, <laughs> look, the handling doesn't need to improve. They need to produce like an amphibious version of the Land right. Cruiser, an amphicar style yeah. Land Cruiser, yeah, like straight an army into duck, the water. an army duck. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. let's get that on the table. Mm. We'll mock something up, get it off to Toyota, and I'm sure they'll be working on it Sean, by the time. Sean would love an amphibious. Yeah, he would. Mm. Now, look, just to round it out, um, the last bit of Chesto's investigation was around, of course, the Hilux and potentially a spin-off to the Fortuna. And that's something that we've been talking about for some time. What he has established is that it's unlikely before the next-gen Hilux arrives, which is around 2023. So there could be, you know, there could be a, a GR, um, uh, what do we call it, GR line, um, rather than a, a full-on GR model, GR Sport, I beg your pardon. Um, so who's to rule that out? But a, a proper GR version of the Hilux. Um, again, we'd be thinking um, a big engine, though. He's been digging around, and the next gen car is likely to have a 3.3 liter diesel V6 um, at its disposal. And you've already seen in the States vehicles like the Tacoma and Sequoia uh, TRD versions of those, which uh, we would see as GR, fitted with things like Fox shock, shocks and pretty serious off road type gear. So, you know, when that arrives in a couple of years' time, I would think that would have a pretty strong market. I mean, the Ford Ranger Raptor has been an absolute runaway success. It has. And I'm sure every single other brand who produces a ute is looking at that car going, how do we tap into that market? Yeah. You know, and Toyota has tried. Uh, you know, it's got its Rogue. It's got its Rugged X. They're kind of like Australian homegrown, uh, you know, bolt-on special. Yeah. To really challenge a car like the Ranger Raptor, you need something from the ground up built, you know, yep. like yep. the Ranger Raptor to take, um, you know, to go off-roading at pace. So, yep. 
I, th- uh, I think I think that's a really good point, Tung. It's not to be underestimated the impact that the Ranger Raptor has had. Everybody is obviously scrambling um, to get something that's that's like it. And yeah, Toyota will be one of those. So it'll be an interesting well, space at, to watch. The Raptor looks like it's ready for Baja. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. those those um, dressed up versions of the Hilux look like dressed up versions of the Hilux. I yeah. think people are smart enough to see through, you know, the lipstick and makeup. Um, yeah. But I, uh, you know, so, I, says says the man with the Dumb and Dumber dog uh, <laughs> truck behind him. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, look, I I, I poo pooed uh, the uh, idea of a, a GR. Land Cruiser, but I absolutely reckon a GR version of the Hilux is vital. Yeah, um, more yeah, vital, but I think than possibly um, any of the other GR models that Toyota might have. Um, yeah, they need yeah. to they need to meet Raptor um, yeah. because Raptor has, as as Tung said, has been a runaway success. Uh, it looks like a monster, and that's what people want. And I've, I've found it interesting, I don't know about you guys, but I've found it interesting that there's been so little resistance to the idea of a two-litre four-cylinder engine powering the Raptor. You know, it seemed to me like yeah. it needed something that on it, paper had a bit more kind of balls. It and, does. And, it, and it, no one, they've been buying them hand over fist. That's really annoyed me that people haven't put up more resistance to it. It needs, it needs the coyote engine. It needs, it needs a five litre V8. It honestly does to, to match its looks. Rumor, rumor is next generation, it's going to go to a V6. So, right. Well, know. there you go. So that would align what, with the, the Camry. I like V6. <laughs> <laughs> So we'd have, we'd potentially have a V6 uh, Ranger Raptor and a V6 Hilux GR. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be kind of interesting. Well, look, it'd be great to get everybody's thoughts, people watching and listening as to where they sit with the whole GR thing, which of the, the vehicles we've spoken about um, are you for or against to be, uh, be great to get your thoughts and, uh, and join in the conversation. But for now, Thank you for that, guys. We're going to move on to our own garage with cars that you can buy and drive as of right now. And Tung, I would like to start with you. Yep. You've been in something that most definitely isn't a Hilux or a Ranger. Could you fill us in, please? Absolutely. I've been uh, fortunate enough to be behind the wheel of a Mercedes-AMG GLA 45S. Uh, so that's sort of the second... It's, it, top spec version of the second generation GLA. Um, and, you know, it shares the same engine as the A45 hot hatch. Uh, so you get 310 kilowatts, 500 newton meters out of a two liter four cylinder turbo petrol, which is In- just incredible. Mental. Just ma- madness. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But you also get a more practical body style. Uh, so the boots about 15% bigger than the hatch. Uh, you know, the suspension is obviously a bit taller, so it makes it a little bit more comfortable around town. Um, I, Absolutely adore that car. It makes no sense whatsoever <laughs> because yes. you can you, you either look at it as a, a more practical hot hatch or a really fast small SUV. Mm. Either way you look at it, it does it really well. Yes, isn't yeah. that amazing? You know, yeah. it's it's so much a sign of the market that those hot compact SUVs are a thing because yeah. you know, in terms of engineering and physics, they probably shouldn't be. Um, no. but, but they definitely are. And then they're still super fun uh, to, yeah. to pilot around. Totally, no, I, totally. I, I drive the GLA 35, which is kind of the, the diet version of that, isn't it? Um, yep. 
doesn't have the same sort of, you know, firm suspension, but it still sounds good, still goes quite well. Yeah. Um, but I've got to agree with you. I think the, um, the A45 is really limiting, isn't it, in terms of its mm. size and its practicality, especially if you've got a family. I think you'd yep. get away with a DLA 45 with a family. Um, mm. a small one. It's got enough space. Yeah. Mm. But I, just I to... This, just, sorry, go ahead, Tool. I, I made this point in my review. It's, you know, would you buy a hatchback or would you buy an SUV right now? And the majority of people are going to pick an SUV. So why, why not get a performance SUV? You sure. Know? And, uh, I mean, Australia's appetite for AMG product is almost insatiable. Um, in terms of a, a percentage of sales in Australia that AMG, it's the highest in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so uptake of AMG as a percentage of overall sales for, for Mercedes-Benz. But uh, it's interesting, Richard, you make the point about the so-called lesser models, you know, a, a 30, it's 35, isn't it, yeah. um, in, the, in the A-class and, and its derivatives. Mm. But same with the 43, you know, in C-class, for example. Mm. I think they stand apart as a really good option and they have their own individual niche to fill. It's not as if you're actually getting to second best. I think it's aspirational in its own right because they are so comfortable, yet they do have that performance edge. They're for a particular type of person that doesn't want all the fiery thunder of the of the top performance model, but still wants a bit of something in their daily drive. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, the, the hard, hard, hardcore versions can sometimes be, you know, we only have these vehicles normally for a week or so, but by the end of the week, it, they do become a bit brutal. Um, you know, the, the ride and the, you know, the full fat AMGs. Yeah. And then you, then you step into the half fat AMGs and you're like, actually, this is not a watered down version. This is actually a more livable version. I know. It's a, it's a perfectly yeah. valid option in its own right. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. does stand apart. So, mm. but, but overall, Tung, what about it as a, as a day-to-day prospect? You, you think it would be uh, livable? I think it was perfectly fine. Um, I'm yep. quite used to hard of riding cars though <laughs> and I, yes. I can i can live with that you know um yeah. is it going to be as comfortable as you know the 35 or a gla 250 of course not of yeah. course not but yeah you know the boot's really big you've got usable back seats uh yeah. and it was perfectly fine around town for me i, I often find it's it. the um it's the significant other factor in the passenger yep. seat that tends to uh let you know where mm. things are in terms of the comfort or otherwise mm. of the car the but significant wife, other is always is really important because <laughs> when you drive a car and it's and it's firm, you're kind of distracted by how much what? fun it is to drive. But <laughs> your passengers will let you know the truth. Yeah, my wife they didn't will. even realise it was a sporty car until I turned the active exhaust on. So interesting, interesting. It passes that test. There you go. Well, she's obviously used to uh, your preferences in terms of yeah. cars, then, Tung. <laughs> now um, we will move on. Thank you very much, Tung. Uh, we'll move on to you, Richard. Whoa. And you have been into a brand new model. We've only just uh, published details of it. Um, it's from Korea. Please tell us about it. Yes, brand new for Australia, uh, but it's been out overseas for a couple of years now. Okay. Um, it's the Kia Stonic. Um, yep. You don't have to say it like that. It's it has three S's it. and an H before the T. <laughs> it's a stonic. Like yep. all Kias, it's got a it's got a bit of a strange name. Um, look, it's based on it's a small SUV. It's the smallest SUV that Kia now have in their lineup. It's based on the little Kia Rio hatch. Uh, it doesn't look a lot like a Rio. Um, this, they've done a pretty good job of. Uh, you know, uh, styling it so that it doesn't look exactly the same as just a, a, a Rio hatch on on stilts. Uh, 
it's I drive the GT line, which is the sportier version, and it is actually more than just a body kit. Uh, Kia have given a better handling, different suspension setup to the to the S and the sport grades, which are below it. Um, Look, it's priced really well. It starts at the, the entry grade starts at around twenty one, twenty two thousand dollars. Wow! Yeah, wow. It's very difficult to find another tiny SUV at that price with the same amount of features and safety tech. Safety is an interesting one because it adopts the five star ANCAP rating of the Rio from wow. two thousand seventeen. What I see, that's yeah. very dodgy. That sounds it, a bit uh, a bit of a reach. It sounds a bit dodgy. We asked, you know, of, of course being the media in the press conference we asked them why they didn't give us a, a five uh, give us an ancap rating for 2021 and they answered quite honestly and they said it's really expensive to crash a car uh, they were quite happy to adopt that five star rating from 2017 but we know that it wouldn't get a five star by today's standards because you need a center airbag just for starters to get a five star ancap yeah, rating yeah i think it's interesting um, i think we've made sorry just to digress for a sec mm. um as I understand it, it's a side head impact criteria in yep. ANCAP's assessment. Yep. And one way to meet that criteria is putting in a centre airbag. Yes. Whether you do or not is not necessarily ah, the determining factor. Right. It's okay. Most brands have come up with the solution of a centre airbag. Got it. Got um, it. But, but it's almost a question for ANCAP, isn't it? Yeah. You know, what, why are you willing uh, to let a four-year-old standard run with a new model? That's it. Look, we got the feeling that a, a new Stonic will be arriving in the next two or three years or something like that. So I think Kia are quite happy to adopt that old ANCAP rating for the Rio and then we'll get a five-star or we'll get an ANCAP rating when the 2026 Stonic comes yeah, out. Right. In, in a, just in to a funny, I, I actually asked ANCAP that question. Yeah, why good, good, they good. adopt these older standards? Yep. And yep. they say simply because they don't have the time and the money and the resources to do it. Wow. And it's much better to put a rating on a new car, even if it's, you know, from two or three or four years ago or from Euro NCAP, uh, you know, uh, the European equivalent of NCAP, than it is to bring the car to market without any safety rating I and see. Give, give consumers no guidance on that safety yes. front. Yes, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because, you know, NCAP is such a consumer-focused organisation, um, but yet they're hamstrung by time and finance and, and mm -hmm. on occasion can't really do the job they'd like to do. Yeah, I'm sure that's Are a big frustration. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, at the same time, it's probably the most important factor in a car, and that's, you know, safety. It's people's lives. So, yeah. look, should, yeah. should ANCAP ratings have an expiry date? You know, oh, uh, uh, yeah. something from 2017 still valid? Well, well, I think they do, but it's quite a mm. long period. It's like eight years, which is longer yeah. than a typical car's model cycle. Totally. <laughs> so, totally. Uh, yeah, it's odd. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, again, just to digress for a minute, I remember when ANCAP ratings first started to appear and most car brands were hugely defensive and reluctant to get involved because mm. what they were saying was at that stage, ANCAP was testing one car in one type of test. It was a very simple and straightforward test. They said, we do hundreds of theoretical, possibly thousands of theoretical tests validated by physical you know, crash assessment. Our processes are far superior to yours. But over time, of course, ANCAP and uh, Euro ANCAP have become more sophisticated and now manufacturers kind of live and die by whether or not that rating is in their favour. Um, it's been quite a change. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've heard of brands flat out refusing to bring certain cars yep. to Australia because they know that it's not going to get a yep. five-star ANCAP safety rating. 
That's mm. right. It's that critical um, yeah. from a consumer point of view. Yeah, it's become the the standard. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, look, um, anything else to add on that, Richard? Yeah. Look, I mean, talking of the standard, Kia's become you know set you know in you know in their defence, they've kind of set the standard in a lot of ways. One with Hyundai in terms of safety, and you know, a car yep. that's only you know twenty two or twenty one thousand dollars still mm. comes with mm. you know pedestrian and cyclist detection with AEB. Um, so still still pretty impressive at that front. Two engines, 1.4 litre and a one litre. Uh, the oh, I, GT- thought you were, I thought it had two engines in one car at this stage. So that, <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. One at the back, one at the front. Yeah. <laughs> no, two at the front. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, look, I wish it did. There wouldn't be enough room. There, a, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, the GT line's got a one litre three cylinder um, and a dual clutch. Now, I've driven small SUVs where that combination can be not quite. Uh, as smooth as you want it to be, um, but the um, GT line does a pretty good job of, uh, uh, of of the smoothness when it comes to gear, gear changes. Um, one of the things which is really interesting is that uh, Hyundai are sort of phasing out local engineering in terms of testing their vehicles uh, on Australian roads. They're going to wow. a global tune, yeah. uh, but Kia um, are maintaining that local engineering side of things and when i when i say that i mean actually driving the cars in australia and then through trial and error just changing the shocks and the springs to to get the right combination right um and the testing for this car was done just before covid hit so the ride in this in the in the stonic is is excellent like it's so well suited to australian roads and the steering the, the steering in this car is the best thing about it um they've gone into a lot of detail about how they've increased the number of teeth uh, in the uh, rack and pinion, and you and it, and it feels great. I, I, I jumped out of that car and into the Seltos, which is the the larger SUV in Kia's range, um, the next next step up from the the Stonic, and the the Seltos steering isn't quite as good, so um, right. it's a good car. So yeah, Stonic out now. <laughs> <laughs> issue one issue, issue one out now now um i'll i'll uh, finish up with i've been in a merc two this one's the e300 sedan which which when you think about it was once you know mercedes-benz's bread and butter um mm. in this market that was that was a very popular car for them not so much these days it's it's one hundred and seventeen thousand dollars, and it's a two liter um turbo petrol now uh, and nine-speed auto, rear-wheel drive. It remains rear-wheel drive. Um, so it's producing 190 kilowatts and 370 newton meters, which is which is pretty good output for a two-liter uh, four-cylinder. That torque is all available from uh, around 1800 RPM. It'll go naught to 100 in a little under seven seconds, which is which is pretty quick for you know uh, an outwardly yeah. fairly fairly conservative Merc sedan. Uh, and I found, speaking of, of ride comfort, I found it incredibly comfy. Uh, it's double wishbones at the front, multi-link at the rear, which is a common Mercedes-Benz uh, setup. It runs on 20-inch rims, and yet it is just so comfortable. Really, that was a, a, an outstanding feature. And it's quick. You know, you've, you've got that torque load down. You've got nine ratios to cycle through, and it, it picks them up and just goes really nicely. It's a very easy car to drive. Uh, the good steering, great front seats, really comfortable and supportive front seats, and it and it does exude very good quality. Um, I found on on the not so good side there there's plenty of room in the back. There's lots of legroom and headroom, but getting in and out is just such a struggle. The door the door aperture is just not big enough, and you're trying to get in and fold yourself in or, origami style, and then you've got to assume the same pose to get out. It is it is just a bit of a struggle. 
Is that the uh, back door or the front door? That's the back door. I should have I yeah. should have clarified <laughs> that. I do uh, I do beg your pardon. In in the back. So um, yeah, plenty of room in the back, but getting in and out is a struggle. And also, Mercedes-Benz, uh, they're persisting with these small swipe controls on mm. the steering wheel to control onboard functions and, and readouts. And in this E300, it's a new style where rather than having a distinct button to swipe your thumb over, it's just a, a piece of a plastic panel within the wheel. Yep. And I wrote in my notes, tiny little swipes suck. Um, I just didn't enjoy this whole process. It was quite frustrating. And in fact, to change between, between um, screens, I found distracting mm. and it almost became a safety issue. So I'm just not a fan of, of that approach. It's, got, it's, it's a like, new, sorry, it's a new steering wheel as well, isn't it? It's got two yep. blades and yep. those swipe, they've moved from the black ones, which look like you've got, you put your thumbs in a seal's yep. eyes and, yep. and, yeah, that's and right. do that. Um, <laughs> and those black ones worked quite well. I they thought. did, they um, did. But the new so, versions... Not quite as ergonomic. No, no, it's not. And there's nothing quite like, um, you know, going over where you want to want to be in yeah. terms of the readout, and then having to come back to, to get your teeth grinding. You know, and and that's not yeah. a good that's not a good mindset to be in when when you're driving down the road. Yep, yep. I'm um, just going to say it's a it's a swiping generation now, JC. It's everyone's a swiping on generation. Tinder, yep. Everyone's oh, on hey. their phone. Is an E300 really a swiping generation car, though? Uh, like surely uh, their look. buyers are 90 plus years old. Yeah, look, don't look. That's very ageist of you, Richard. I think <laughs> I think people have a right to do whatever makes them happy. <laughs> so that would be interesting as an extra little button you put in a patch that has Tinder there as well, so you can actually just swipe yeah. as you go. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Now, um, that's finished our garage and we'll start looking at some of the feedback that we received uh, in response to last week's program, which was about Kia and whether or not Kia is potentially the one that could over time, maybe in this decade, start to make big inroads into Toyota's lead in the Australian market. Toyota dominates uh, Australian new car sales, but Kia has been just so much on the move. There's a lot of momentum with that brand. And uh, we were saying that particularly if um, they're successful in bringing a dual cab ute to this market and maybe a large off-road capable SUV four-wheel drive style vehicle that they'd really be on their way and they could do it. And Hammer Rocks came in and said Come that he, he agrees that Kia is a great example that attractive looking uh, products sell um, and that, that, that design, it's, it's somewhat design led. He says, why design products that need to grow on you? <coughs> cough, cough, BMW 4 Series. Um, why not design them to be instantly pretty? Um, Kia's designers obviously know this and it's working. And it, it got me thinking about the whole question of, yeah, okay, there are designs that grow on you over time. Is that part of a bigger picture play to add real integrity to a car brand that it, it has substance over time rather than being a pretty fashion, flash in the pan that is all the rage for five minutes and then goes away? It's, it's a really uh, tricky one to think about. Um, but but Tim Tim Burr Tim Burr eighty six uh, agreed, and he said, and quietly, I think they're a lot better looking than the big sister Hyundai's current design language as well, yeah. except for the Palisade. That thing is awesome. So, what do we make of of Hammer's uh, contention that Kia is winning because they have terrific looking product? No, no. This is this is a case of uh, Volkswagen and Skoda. I reckon, and this is just my own thoughts, as as anything I say is, um, that 
Hyundai has been chosen as the brand which is going to lead the way and Kia is going to be your entry point into that sort of family and like even having spoken to you know the executives as well they Kia sees itself as that affordable but really great value um, into the market whereas Mm -hmm. Hyundai it's you know Palisade all of that it's going it's going up market I think it's going to and I think in terms of sales it wants that domination I don't think Kia can no. Really? I, I see the crossover point as being within the next few years where Kia will top Hyundai for sales. Kia will go lower. Kia will, Kia, will, Kia will bring out even more affordable. I reckon it'll go. Okay, yeah. that's, in, that's yeah. interesting. So their volume might be, might be greater, but their market positioning will yeah. be clear relative to Hyundai. That's right. Yeah. Okay, because Hyundai's done a lot of the heavy lifting in, in establishing exactly. you know, Korean brands in this market. Sorry, Tom. We're seeing a lot of the brands move up market, like you said. You know, like Hyundai is going up there, uh, Toyota, Mazda. Mazda. They're all kind of they're all getting yep. a little bit more expensive now. Kia seems to be the only mainstream brand that is happy to stay and play in that lower end. You know, Picanto, yep. Stonic, like you said, uh, yep. Rio, and it does it all with a seven-year warranty and styling that doesn't look hideous. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Kia, that's true. Kia, Kia wants to be the LG of cars. <laughs> Does <laughs> well. Look, I'm saying it. That carnival is a great looking car. Um, I never, th- I never thought I'd say the words, but there they, are. there they are. Mm. Um, look, MX Gregory said maybe 15 years ago, Kia was all at the place Chinese cars are now in Australia. Um, they are seen as uh, poorly made, uh, cheap cars. Now Kia is more popular than Holden was four years ago, and Lofty Visions agrees and says much better built. Smiley face. Uh, so there's there's a fair bit of goodwill, as it were, out there for, for Kia. And to that point, Andre Vigeur says, I love Kia Telluride. They should bring it here in 4x4 version. And Greg Lamb chimed in and said, ditto, let's start a picket line. And I thought, that's interesting, a picket line. Rather than an online petition, it's just get the placards. Yeah, get out um, there. Out at Macquarie Park in Sydney, where Kia's head office is, and pick at the joint so that they. <laughs> I hope you're not inciting some type of insurrection, Jason. <laughs> Bring in the like... Telluride. Well, look, we did see some skirmishes. People on YouTube will see a picture that we managed to snap um, out at uh, Kia's headquarters. Quite extraordinary. Greg might be the the um, genesis of all that. Pardon the pun. Okay, um, Raucus nine nineteen. I feel Kia could end up doing bundle deals. I thought this was a really interesting idea. Small hatch and a four-wheel drive ute, 60K drive away. Yes. Not many other companies would try to market that. I reckon that's a really interesting idea. That is such a Kia thing. They would do that. Yeah. You should get some type of commission for that. Ruckus? (laughs) Ruckus? Ruckus 919. He might be a a Porsche um, uh, sports car fan. Yeah. Okay. Now, George's channel, I am now on my third post-2010 Kia. So he's gone through Serato, Soul, Optima and vouch for them as solid cars. However, I wouldn't touch the older used models. <laughs> I just wondered <laughs> if they're George's cars that are out there in the used market. He wouldn't touch the older ones. Um, mm. Now, <laughs> Limpun Singh 22 uh, says, Kia is nice but still light years behind Toyota in my, back, my book. Kia hasn't proven anything yet. But uh, Ari and Ashley plays this, great name, says, how is that light years behind Toyota? Quality-wise, they're better. Repackaging old tech is not ahead. And your old mate, uh, Richard DeCook, agrees, hey. agrees that, uh, you know, Toyota's on a roll as well with, 
with um, they've had the RAV4, great product. Corolla's been a hit. Um, the GR Yaris, they're starting to, to get on a roll, but he thinks there could be some hiccups with uh, 300 series Land Cruiser, whether enough buyers will be interested to, to take it up. So that's an interesting point. And um, just to finish it off, Adam Gill says, these videos aren't going anywhere and neither are my comments. See you in a few years, ladies. Last thing to say. So... See, see you, Adam. See you. Thanks. What? It's like see you in a few years. See you in a few years. So we'll keep an eye out. Was and that from was Adam Gill? Was that sort of a senior executive at Cars Guide or something? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, look. In terms of strange things to say, it's time for Musk Watch. Right. So very interesting. It's something that's been in the general news uh, this week. People who tuned in last week will remember that we spoke about um, a one-word tweet or two-word tweet from Elon. Uh, he's tweeted out, use Signal. And in response to that, shares in a little-known Texas health tech company called Signal Advance went up over 1,500% in a 24-hour period. What he was really tweeting about was... Um, and alternate to, I think it was WeChat or, or one of those uh, chat things, this small medical company was just bemused that their, their share price <laughs> went, went through the roof overnight, which was just extraordinary. Um, so he's done it again in a way. Uh, so he pumped $5 billion into a stock through the week by, uh, so the world's richest man, Elon, Elon Musk on Wednesday morning, and this is courtesy of Yahoo Finance, send investors into a frenzy pumping around $4 billion into video game retailer GameStop. Now, we're familiar with GameStop. It's actually a Reddit uh, thread where these people have grouped together. There's about 2 million subscribers to drive the price of this you know, game retailer up from the brink of disaster up to something much more impressive. Um, and it, it's gone up 92.71% in recent times. But then on Wednesday, Elon tweeted, Game Stonk. <laughs> just to get in on the action. And according to CNBC, the price of GameStop surged more than 60%. So he sent it up again, gained around $4 billion in market cap after that tweet. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. So you had someone like Robert Reich um, on Instagram. He's a, he's a high-profile academic. Uh, he's an author, political commentator. He's a former government administrator. Summed it up, he said, stop worshipping billionaires. Elon Musk predicted the coronavirus would be gone seven months ago. These people don't know what they're talking about. So he's trying to get some calm um, in the market. And speaking of calm, what we're going to see very shortly, um, I think it's he's tweeted, Elon's tweeted, Plaid Model S ships next month. Yeah. He followed up with another tweet saying it can play cyberpunk. Uh, yes. First, first production car ever to achieve zero to 60 miles per hour in less than two seconds, 200 nice. mile per hour top speed bracket with the right tires. So if you go to Tesla's website right now, there it is, the Plaid, <clears> 1,020 <throat> horsepower, the standing quarter in 9.23 seconds at 250 kmh wow. and zero to 100 kilometers an hour in 2.1. So when you make the transition to kmh, wow. it's 2.1 seconds. Wow. Um, That's insane. It how is much, amazing. How much are we asking? Are uh, asking? Don't know. Do you know, Tom? Uh, great question. It's going to be 80,000 US. Two, right. 
Yeah. What, so like, what, 150 Australian? I have uh, no idea. I've got I'm a feeling it might, it'll probably be a bit more than that. But then yeah. in response to those tweets, you had lots of people wanting him to tweet about the AMC network, yeah. Dogecoin, Bitcoin, no, Blackberry, don't. Nokia, say something about these so that our He's going to break everything. He's going <laughs> to stuff everything up. Plate is Mac- just under $200,000 in Australia. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, there you go. So Magnus Hermanson said, sent a really great little meme. Is that your phone? And a, a shot of the new interior of the new uh, updated Type S with a little Nokia phone on the console, <laughs> which, was, which was pretty good. <laughs> Steve, now the other feature of the updated S-Class more broadly, as well as the Plaid version, is that the interior has been redesigned dramatically and it looks quite different. And it's got an, a, a light plane style steering wheel. So it's, it's effectively has no top um, and just a couple of grips on the side. And for people on YouTube, we'll have pics of all that. Um, How does that fare in crash tests? That's what uh, I want. Oh, various plane, people planes said, don't undergo crash tests because we know what happens when a plane they, crashes. Um, yeah, generally, but, generally it follows a particular pattern. <laughs> um, but in a car, because I know that in the fifties they tried those steering wheels, yeah. and you know I know people have got them, but they are yeah. potentially weapons. It's like you know holding Neptune's trident as you're driving. There, so. there are two. There are two things here. One, it's not going to be able to be sold in the EU with that type of wheel. I doubt it would make it to Australia with that type of steering wheel. Yep. And the second thing is it's trying to downplay the role of the steering wheel in the interior. So it's all <gasps> part, of the, part of the psychology that says this steering wheel is disappearing. They're trying okay, to take so away your driving rights. Take away our driving. Oh, it's just a little psychological ploy. Yeah. But, um, Steve, is Steve, it going to be like a little Austin Powers steering wheel in the in the end? Well, <laughs> one, one little... person asked, why not a joystick? You know, what? Yeah. you've already got it looking like the yoke of a, of a light plane. Yeah. Yeah. Who needs um, to drive when you can play cyberpunk in the car? Oh, well, Steve, Go- Steve Gunyan says, twice as fast, half as much steering wheel. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and Dilio, Tung, you'll love this. Dilio says, I see Stardew Valley. That's all I need. <laughs> I've sunk way too many hours into that game. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, Dinesh says, that's awesome. But also sad as Model 3 is now the only car you can buy in Australia. Why not released? S and X is sometime in 2022. I went to the Australian version of the Tesla website and all of the various cars were still up and offered for sale, but delivery must be a well-down-the-track kind of proposition. Have you got any mail on that, Tung? Have you heard anything about uh, uh, availability? I, I, thought, yeah. I thought everything was uh, still going ahead as planned. So it's uh, interesting. Dinesh makes that point. He may have been inquiring, you know, as a prospective customer. Yeah. All right. Now, speaking as we have of share prices rising, the Tesla share price has gone up just a bit um, since last week. 864. Uh, oh, no, down a bit, sorry. Uh, 864, no, up from 850. Beg your pardon. So it's gone up about $14. Um, but the Fin Review makes the point that they've made their jump to report their first annual profit. So this is in a calendar year. A uh, bit of a sales surge through the global pandemic. Uh, they earned $721 million, whereas at this time last year, they had lost $862 million. So that is quite a turnaround. But the one point to make is that they still needed regulatory credits um, purchased by other automakers in order to make a, a profit. Um, without that, uh, the, without the $1.3 billion in credits for the year, they would have lost money. So it's the likes of GM and Ford and others that can't make their 
their um, emissions uh, ratings that buy those credits from Tesla. And that's a big stream of income for the company. Do we have any news on upcoming Cybertruck and a few other bits and pieces? Well, it was interesting. We touched on Cybertruck last last week where uh, a prospective customer said, I can't believe I'm going to have my Cybertruck in 2021. It's just like a DeLorean. I never thought I'd be buying another stainless steel car. Um, and Matt Farah uh, chimed in and said, I bet you a DeLorean you won't, you know, have it in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That'll, that'll be interesting to see whether it arrives um, during this year. And I think, and I was going to say what form it arrives in, because talking about a half steering wheel not being yeah. uh, kosher in various markets, that Cybertruck looks like a pedestrian disaster um, waiting to happen. I think it needs to, and it, I think something along those lines, the Cybertruck especially needs to arrive. I think. Right. This year, like, yeah. or, or what other um, yeah. stunts are we going to see from Elon? Like, we had the Cybertruck yeah. last year with the smashed, you know, window, um, yeah, with the yeah. ball being thrown, steel ball being thrown into it. What are we yeah. going to see this year from, from exactly Elon? Well, look, um, look, it's worth. I really enjoyed uh, the Roadster hitting the market mm-hmm. last year because yeah. that, that's when it was meant to happen. Yeah. I think the. the <laughs> This, the semi, the semi truck uh, <laughs> was, was due about now. It hasn't happened. I mean, plenty is happening in Tesla. Don't get me wrong. Of yeah. course, he's building huge factories and pumping out cars. But some of those overpromises are biting a little hard right now. Yeah, I just wonder if uh, a, a couple of the more traditional manufacturers are going to sort of beat him now that we've got Audi doing e-trons, uh, you know, BMW, Mercedes. Mercedes. Um, we're going to yeah. have Rivian uh, dropping out of the sky very shortly. Wow, um, just well, like planes. Um, yeah, look out! Look out, everybody! Um, I'm just yeah. wondering: um, yeah. will will it will 2021 be the end of Tesla being this disruptor and yeah. unique? Yeah. Um, will it get lost in the wash? Of yes, an electric. Well, that, that's that's the challenge, yeah. isn't it? In terms mm. of being first mover in a market, you have that advantage for a certain period of time, yeah. and you just know that others are either going to copy you or try and leapfrog you. And you have to try and stay ahead of that wave that's that's coming at you. So yep. yeah, it'll be a challenging period. I'm sure. I think it's going to be the scariest year for Elon. Right. Okay. So there could be some kind of traumatic episodes. No, no, no. I just reckon that this is going to be the year. This is really, we all thought with our Bloomberg tracker and Model Three and all that that it was make or break. Now I reckon 2021 is the make or break for Tesla. Really. Okay. He needs to. He needs to. Uh, Come good on his promises. He's got three right. to keep. So, what's your Tesla prediction for 2021, Richard? He needs to have the Cybertruck out. He needs to have the semi out, and Roadster needs to be ha- sold this this well. year. This, this year. year, yeah, okay, all right. If Very not, good. it's all over. All right, watch. It's all over. All right, <laughs> watch, watch, watch this space. Yeah, um, but and until then, we have reached the finish line, and I want to say thank you, Richard. Thank you, and thank you, Tung. Thank you. And thanks to our in-house exorcist, salad dressing expert, and chief penguinologist, Mr. Pritchard, for his uncanny production skills. Today, he's wearing a T-shirt saying, someone pass Shaggy the baggy so he can roll Scooby a doobie. Love Dr. Boxer shorts and independently sprung sneakers. Let us know your thoughts. You can find Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. If you're an Apple podcast listener, please rate and review us. Remember, you can also watch us on YouTube. And if you are already, make sure you subscribe to the Cars Guide YouTube channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. 
But before we go, just bought a, uh, a first aid kit uh, for the car. Thought I'd treat myself. Oh! <laughs> hey, JC, just for everybody out there as well, I've got something. Smile without you smiling your eyes. Now, raise your eyebrows. Now drop the smile. That's your model face. Wow. Yes. That's I, don't think I'm get, I don't think I'm going to get booked very often at all. I would argue that any face is Jay-Z's model face. <laughs> That's right. Uh, That's right. A model disaster. Yes. I learned that. I learned that on social media the other day. Very good. Thank you. <laughs>